We, uh, last week, started a new series called The Prosperity Paradox, and we're talking about um, prosperity. What's it mean um, that really God wants us to prosper in our life? And let, let me ask you a question. Um, when were you most happy in your life? Just think about that for a little bit. When, um, when have you been the most happy? In your life. And I think initially, um, if you're like me, I think we go back to big moments. They call, um, they call them light, like uh, light bulb moments, those, those moments that uh, sort of stick with us. It's like the flash from one of those really old ca- uh, cameras that, you know what I'm talking about, where they'd have to hold up the light and it would like, the light would like explode to take the photo. Um, there's something that happens when we have moments in our life where it, it gets like ingrained in our brain. Like that light flash goes off and it's just there. And those can be big events. They can be even be small events. But it's kind of like those, you know, you remember where you were when 9-11 happened. Or you remember where you were when JFK was assassinated. Or you remember, you're, obviously, you're going to remember things in your life like big moments like graduating or getting a job or getting married or having your kids, like all those, those things. And I would guess like most of those, we would, we would say, you know, like we're happy moments and maybe you go, those were the happiest moments uh, of my life. But I, I don't know about you, but as I sort of pondered that question this last week, like I go back in my head to like my wedding day and I'm like, yeah, like that, that was happy. But I can't remember, like as time goes on, maybe it's because I'm getting older, I can't remember as much um, about it. And I found, I think, as I get older and as I was reflecting on this, what makes me happy, um, it was a lot more small things in my life. Like it was times in my life where I, w- like I could slow down enough to actually like appreciate the moment. I think we... We've bought into like this, this pace of life in which we rarely slow down enough to acknowledge the joy of that or the happiness in that moment. Like it's always about the next thing. And I think that that works against us when it comes to being, being happy. It's like we're looking for the next thing to make us happy instead of just enjoying what we, what, what we have you know, right now. And so, you know, I was just, as I was thinking about this last week, there was this moment where I was in the kitchen. I don't remember what I was doing. And my daughter was in our, like, toy room. And out of nowhere, she just said, I love you, Daddy. And um, I was like, this is the happiest moment of my life right now. Because <laughs> I know that's going to change, probably. Um, but for now, uh, you know, my, my, my daughter may not think I'm the greatest person in the world as she gets older. Um, I hope so. But I've seen teenagers. I was a teenager at one point. You know, your parents, maybe you don't see them the same way as you did when you were two or three. But, um, you know, when you recognize that, like, wow, this moment or this moment might not last or things aren't always going to be this way, like, I sat there in this moment where it's just like my daughter says, I love you, Daddy. And I was, and I was like, 
it's these moments, these small moments, that I'm, I'm truly happy. And I recognized that the happiness was aligned with gratefulness. Just being grateful. Recognizing, being able to slow down enough to be able to, like, recognize, like, the moment and being grateful for that moment. Thank you, God, for that moment. Thank you that my daughter, you know, in this moment, at this season, you know, says, I love you, Daddy. And I wonder if it's like the things that we think will make us the most happy, are they the things that actually make us the most happy? There's a whole lot of things that the world's telling you will make you happy. But at the end of the day, what, are, what truly are the things that bring happiness and joy into your life? And I've, I think as I've gotten older, the happiest moments are the moments where I'm the most grateful. Listen to Deuteronomy 8, 6 through 10. And I mean, I, w- I wish I would have had time to count throughout the Bible how many times God tells his people, remember, 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 remember. And it's like, you know, this is the story of the Israelites in captivity. God brings them out of bondage. He's promising the promised land. And particularly in this in this season, when you read the Old Testament, you're going to see God over and over and over and over again saying, remember, don't forget. Like, build, you know, build, um, build a monument so that when you, when, when you and your kids and your, your, your grandkids see it, you can tell the story of what God has done. Do you think this is by accident that God's constantly telling the people to remember? And is it because he's just being a nag? No, he's not being a nag. He's just... He's calling a spade a spade. Look, you are a forgetful people. You so easily forget. It's like you're looking for your next fix. What's the next thing that can make me happy? But he's saying over and over and over again, he knows we're a forgetful people. He's saying, remember, remember, remember. Because it's through gratefulness, not the next thing, that could make you happy, it's through gratefulness and praise that you will find joy and happiness in your life. So he says this in Deuteronomy 8, 6, 7, observe the commands of the Lord your God, walking in obedience to him and revering him. For the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land, a land with brooks, streams, and deep springs gushing out into the valleys and hills, a land with wheat and barley, vines and fig trees, pomegranates, olive oil, and honey, a land where bread will not be scarce and you will lack nothing. A land where the rocks are iron and you can dig copper out of the hills. I mean, just pause. What God is saying here, he's like, I, I have good things for you. I am bringing you into a land where you will prosper. And we talked about this last week. It is okay to, to recognize that God wants prosperity. He wants good things in your life. And here he's saying to the Israelites, like, I have good things for you. Like, I, is it okay? I think it is to say God wants you to experience happiness and joy. I get, I, 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 you know, as a Christian, and I think it, it's sort of, I don't know where this, where this came from, but like, we've kind of, whoever we is, I don't know. But over time, the church is seen as like serious, 
And religion and practice of religion is solemn and just stern and quiet. And it's like, oh, you don't, you don't move at church. You don't, you don't laugh at church. And it's like, and then people go, I don't want to go to heaven and just sing worship songs. Like, that's their idea of heaven. And like, oh, I remember like as a kid thinking that way about heaven. And, and it's, it's totally backwards because everything that, like, look what he's saying here. He's not saying, I'm bringing you into a land where there will be a building where you'll stand like a board and sing songs. <laughs> you know? God's like, I'm in, I am giving you a land where you are going to, like, it is going to provide for you, and it is, going to, it is going to be one that is prosperous and brings joy and happiness, wonder, excitement into your life. And that is what we should be talking about when we're inviting people into the church. That is the way we should be talking about when we're talking about inviting people into relationship with God, because that's, in fact, what we're being, we're being invited into. It was one of the reasons we did, we did Saturday Night Jive. For those of you who know this, we completely ripped off Saturday Night Live, and we only did, like, the clean skits. But we would do these performances over at Woodridge. And, like, honestly, like, how many people would go to that thing, Brian? Like, a th thousands? Like, I mean, it got, it got huge. And people were like, I didn't know you could do this in church. Like, be giddy and goofy and laugh. And it's like, yes. What? Of course. Like, God created us to laugh. God has a sense of humor. Like, how much joy do you experience when you just laugh? You know? And I think one of the things we want our church and our network of churches to be known in is one where, like, look, God wants joy in your life. He wants happiness. He wants laughter. We are, like, we are, we want to be a church where yes, we're not going to water down the message. We're not going to like turn our back on, on you know, the important like, like spiritual practices we do. And we're not going to laugh at reverence or, or the history of the church. No, but we're, we're not going to be so stiff that because it doesn't portray the God, like the, God, like the God we're inviting you to follow. I mean, look at what he's saying here. He says, when you have eaten and are satisfied, I'm going to meet your needs. Your needs will be met. Praise the Lord your God for the good land he has given you. Here's the part that I want to look at. Because at the beginning he's saying follow the commands. And I think any, a lot of times we, just, we, get draw, we get drawn into that part. Okay, i got to follow the rules. But let's go to the end here where he's saying like, when you've eaten and you are satisfied, praise the Lord. In essence, be grateful. Give praise. Because that is gonna, that's going to do something in your heart. When you live a life where you practice being grateful, you'll be happier. And it's, um, the, the science actually backs this. Um, there's a, a happiness researcher named Sonia Lebrowski. And she's, um, she says, gratitude is one of the things that the happiest people on earth share. She has researched, interviewed some of the happiest people on the earth. And the one thing that they share, or one of the things they share, is that they are grateful. The more a person is inclined to 
gratitude, the less likely he or she is to be depressed, anxious, lonely, envious, or neurotic. Gratitude is one of the most scientifically validated ways to increase happiness. Think about that. If that is true, it's not more money or a better, you know, better relationships or a better job. If this is true, it's saying thanksgiving and gratitude is the most scientifically valid way, validated ways to increase happiness. Now, they're not giving credit to God. I don't know if Sonia's a Christian or not, but God's been saying this way before Sonia. Thanksgiving and gratitude produces notable improvement in all relationships. It's like um, gratitude is, is sort of the, the, the key to happiness. I saw this picture when I was doing my studying this week, and I didn't like it, but it got cut up. It says, why don't you have a seat and explain your lack of gratitude for the dead birds I've brought you? <laughs> if you know me, I like birds, and when I saw this, I didn't like it. And it's why I don't own a cat. <laughs> but um, this was on a, on a blog, and they told the story of this, this man named Tim uh, Kreider, who um, was stabbed in the throat. And the knife um, entered and was two millimeters from, from his carotid artery, which would have, he would have bled out, he would have died. And um, he describes in this, in this blog he wrote, um, that two millimeters being the difference between going home, flown in the cargo hold, or coach. And uh, he, he sort of miraculously made a full recovery. And, like, someone tried to murder him. And if you think about, like, if someone tried to murder me, like, that's, like, one of the worst things that could happen to me. <laughs> Duh. And um, he goes on to say, though, it was one of the best that ever happened to me. Now, if he would have died, I don't know if he would have said that, but he lived. He goes, it was one of the best things that ever happened to me. He goes, I was so grateful to be alive that for the next year, it was impossible for me to be unhappy. See, it was, it was a perspective that he, that, that he, that he was gifted through this terrible experience. And I'm not saying go get stabbed in the neck. Like, I don't want that for any, any of you. But, but it was through this awful experience that it gave him a perspective. Life isn't guaranteed. You know, I was given a second chance. I was given life. Like, the gratitude that welled up in him, literally, he said, I couldn't be unhappy. Like the things that maybe would have destroyed me, like the, 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 thing, the everyday things that I was stressing about or the things that I worried about or even the things that were kind of hurtful that were done to me, like at the end of the day, like it didn't affect me the same way because of the perspective I had. Like I'm alive. God, you know, I, I've been given a second chance. And, and the perspective we have around life 
the perspectives that we have around happiness, the perspectives we have around our, our stuff, our prosperity, like, it all matters. Listen to Craig, Pastor Craig Greshel. He says this, every blessing we don't turn into praise has the potential to turn into pride. See, uh, prosperity can bring great potential. When you, when you have prosperity in your life, the potential for you to use that is amazing. You can use it in all sorts of ways. To bless people, to encourage people, to take care of people, to, you know, to, to and we talked about this last week, to, to show people, like, the love of God through, that, through your, your, your generosity. So, with the prosperity we have comes amazing potential. And we are a prosperous people. When you look at what, how the lives that many other people are living across the world, we are a prosperous people. And that prosperity gives us potential. But the other thing is that prosperity can bring problems. And this is what Greshel is saying, that if we don't turn prosperity and the blessings that God has given us into praise, they so easily turn into pride. And this is, this is what um, happens a lot with prosperity, is that it can create in us an attitude and a mindset of privilege, entitlement, self-reliance, because when I've earned it and it's about me and it's the things I've accomplished and the, the stuff I've earned, that's pride. It's me. And this is the perspective change that God's trying to get his people to recognize. Like the Israelites didn't do anything to be given the promised land. Nothing. In fact, you could argue that they didn't deserve it. They didn't. And that's grace. Nonetheless, despite their failures, they, God wants to give them this gift because he loves them. And if they're willing to see like the perspective that this is a gift, it's going to change the way they interact with it. If it's about them and they think it's about what they've done and what they've accomplished, it will lead to pride, entitlement, and self-sufficiency. I don't need God. But see, when you begin to see things that it is from God and he's given me this because he loves me and it belongs to God and I want to praise God, it is through praise and gratitude that we defeat, that we slay pride, that we slay entitlement, that we slay selfishness. When we remember God and we are grateful to God and we, we, we express our gratitude, it leads to praise. And the, the science shows us praise and gratitude can literally rewire our brains. It is the antidote. Praise, thanksgiving, and gratitude is the antidote to the problem of prosperity. Praising God, it works against that self-confidence that so easily can entangle us. And it's not that self-confidence is bad as long as we know that it has limits. Like at some point, we cannot do everything. 
We cannot accomplish everything. We cannot fix everything. We need God. The Israelites, again, didn't earn the promised land. They hadn't even earned their rescue out of Egypt. And they would have lost their, their, the promised land because of their behavior many times over. But everything was a gift. It was a gift of God. And when you recognize how much life is a gift and what you have is a gift, it inevitably leads to gratitude. But if it's because of what I've done, because of what I've accumulated or what I've accomplished, then you're in the hamster wheel just looking for the next thing, the next hit. If praise and thanksgiving and gratitude is the antidote to the problems that can come with prosperity, it means that living a life of gratitude, of praise, of thanksgiving, should be a daily habit for the followers of Jesus. Listen to Colossians 3.17. And whatever you do, whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. I mean, Paul is saying, in everything and at every time, express gratitude and thankfulness to God. In 1 Thessalonians, he writes, rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances. Not some, not in the good circumstances, but all circumstances, for this is God's will for you. In Christ Jesus. God's will is for you is to be able to be joyful in all circumstances. That's like a superpower that all of us would want. And God, I mean, Paul's saying, God, that's his will for your life. You know, you might go, how can I be thankful in all circumstances? But remember that here Paul is writing to a group of early Christians who are experiencing incredible hardship and persecution. And yet, Paul knows that it is through giving thanks even in the hard circumstances that that habit will, will produce something in the people of God. There was a sad story this last week. Jay Weaver, who was the bass player of the band Big Daddy Weave, a big Christian band, um, I think his brother was the lead singer, but he passed away from COVID complications. He has some pretty serious underlying disease of um, diabetes at one point. Um, he, I believe he had his legs amputated. You know, it's just really difficult stuff. And sadly, he lost his life this last week. But um, he said this in an interview. It's a fairly lonely bed to lay in, talking about being in the hospital after he got his legs amputated. Until the Lord is remembered. That's what he said. He said in a 27 interview, I'm lying in this hospital bed by myself, but the Lord is the best I know of anybody to come down and get in our junk with us, and that's exactly what he did. He didn't choose to blame God, to throw a pity party. He chose to thank God. When you praise God, you invite him into the present. You 
um, thank, when you thank God, even in the hard times, you're inviting his love and his care into your life. And the reality is, if you can, if you can choose to be thankful and, and express gratitude and praise, no matter the circumstances, it will not only reshape your heart, it will reshape your mind. So, as the band comes up, I want to leave you with two um, practices that I want to invite you into. Because again, God kept saying to the Israelites over and over and over again, do not forget, because they forget. <laughs> and we are a forgetful people. So if we're going to be people of praise and gratitude because, man, it brings joy and happiness into our lives and perspective, the right perspective, then it's going to need to become a daily habit in our lives. So here's, here's two th challenges to try. And try one of them, try both of them. I don't, you know, whatever you want. But what if every night for the next week you set aside 10 minutes, which you all have, we all have, uh, before you go to sleep, and you write down three things and you got to write it down. Don't, just don't think about it. But write it down. Uh, three things you're thankful for. Or three things that went well. And why. And here, here's what actually the science says. Writing about why the positive events in your life happened may seem awkward at first, but stick with it for a week. It will get easier. The odds are that you will be less depressed, happier, and addicted to this exercise six months from now. I don't know if that's true, but try it. See if it is. But just taking time to practice gratefulness will have a change on your life. The second one is this. Um, there's a lot of research that shows that, that gratitude will improve, like improves relationships. So you have a broken relationship. Maybe, maybe it's expressed gratitude in some way, but... Um, Here's, here's something. What if you wrote a letter of gratitude to someone this week who's done something for you? Not just write it, but give it to them in person and, and read it out loud to them. Supposedly, the science says this can boost happiness for three months. You want to be happy for the next three months? Write Brian a letter and read it to him. It's as simple as that. Now, okay. God's been saying this stuff a lot longer than science or research or studies. But the truth of the matter is we are called to be a grateful people and we're, we're blessed and we're prosperous. And the call is to respond with gratefulness and praise. And um, it will bring joy and happiness into your life. So, let's practice being grateful this next week. Just sharing that, like, in two months we're going to be in a new building. Man, if you're not grateful, I don't know, check your heart. Check your heart, check your pulse. It's exciting. Let's stand together. Isn't it cool that God wants us to sing, be joyful, laugh, be excited, be happy? And God, we thank you for all the blessings you have given us. And we now choose to respond in praise, adoration, and gratefulness. In Jesus' name, amen.